Hello, this is Kimberly. Hi, Kimberly. This is Victoria from Broadway Radio. How are you? Good. How are you, Victoria? Good. I'm so glad we were able to make this work this morning. <laughs> yes, me too. And I hope it's quiet enough. I am like locum. I'm, I'm walking, but I, I have you in my headphone, and I'll be indoors in like eight minutes. So hopefully this will be okay for you. It sounds fine to me right now. So. Okay, great. Good, good. Wonderful. Great. I'm just going to grab Lauren, and um, we'll get started. Cool. Okay, hold on one second. Great. Good morning, Kimberly, and happy Halloween. Yes, happy Halloween to you as well. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. I feel like this is a holiday for the amateurs. Totally. I know. I, I really actually, like, I can't stand Halloween. I was like, I dress people up and play pretend every day of my life. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, yeah. no, no, no. But like, I kind of look at them and go, oh, aren't they cute? <laughs> yeah. But, hey, I mean, it's also just a reminder, they all want to do this. Yes. Like, true. Every civilian just wants to do this thing that you earn your living in. That's so funny. I call them civilians, too. <laughs> That's my word. That's what I use all the time. I'll be like. <laughs> oh, good. Well, let me tell you how this is going to work. Victoria will let us know when she's recording. I will then do an intro and welcome you. And I'll ask you questions strictly about the play in this production. We'll talk for about, you know, probably about 10 minutes or so. I'll then thank you and do an outro, and Victoria will let us know that we're clear. Great. Fantastic. Okay. So, again, as you can imagine, you know, it's not live. And right. Um, should you – well, don't feel like you need to self-edit. So should you say something that you realize that you've just given away the state secrets, right. we, can, we can retract. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. Right. Great. Thank you. And thanks so much for spending the time with us this morning. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. I love talking about this play. Oh, so, good. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want to say a thing about it. I want to save it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and, we're, and go. Hi, I'm Lauren Class Snyder with Class Notes for Broadway Radio. I'm here with Kimberly Sr., the director of Sakina's Restaurant, playing off-Broadway at the Manetta Lane Theater. Hello. Hi. Well, thanks welcome. so much for having me. <laughs> oh my gosh, thank you for spending the time to give us some insight into this extraordinary play. So, I'm just going to get started. Great. With the fact that Sakina's Restaurant is a vibrant one-man show written and performed by Asif Manvi, centering around an Indian immigrant who comes to America to work in a restaurant and live the American dream. Talk yes. to us about how you came to work on this unique piece of theater. Well, Asif and I actually met back in 2012 when uh, he starred in the Lincoln Center theater production of Disgrace that I directed. And we very quickly, like, just hit it off so well in terms of how we worked together. And over the years, we've continued to attempt to find ways to collaborate. And... <laughs> In the interim, I also did a, a piece called Chris Gethard's Career Suicide, where I worked with a comedian named Chris Gethard on a piece that was both uh, stand-up comedy but also a narrative. And 
Asif, I consulted him a lot during that process. Mm. Excuse me, I have a quick cough. Um, And then Asif was like, maybe we should make something together. And we've started just kind of, you know, hanging out in studios and figuring out what stories we want to tell. And then Audible, who produced uh, Sakina's Restaurant, came Mm -hmm. to us with, it's an amazing time to bring back this piece that Asif wrote 20 years ago. And so Mm. we really wanted to continue our collaboration Incredible. Let's let's talk a little bit about the fact that the piece was performed originally in 1998, and you're working on it for the first time with an extraordinary relationship with the actor based on the history you've had together. What's it like working on the material with Asif, revisiting characters that were created 20 years ago? Well, you know, I mean, there the world has changed, and Asif has changed, and our relationship to the immigrant experience has changed. And so in that moment, it was a contemporary piece. And now, in a sense, we're looking at a period piece. Um, I think also, you know, I think on the level of the audience's experience, right, we're, like, able to look back on a time that was pre-9-11, pre our current administration, um, Mm -hmm. about how, what the American dream was about and what was possible. Uh, Uh And I think that we, we, we we are in mourning for that potential. But I think, like, mm. artistically for Asif and I to be like, who was he as a performer then? And then what is he capable of now and what his, you know, skill and dexterity has become? I think really, I feel like we were able to really do, do, um, trust each other and trust the material in a way. He didn't also, mm-hmm. like, just write the piece. Do you know what I mean? So, like, he, we, I mean, we changed a couple of lines here and there, but really he was performing an extant piece of text. And so I think that's also a different approach as an actor to be able to uh-huh. be like, well, this is what the character says and does, and I'm not changing it, <laughs> you know? So uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. I think that was also probably a, a big difference. But, I mean, I, I love revisiting work. A lot of plays that I've done, I've done more than once. I think, like, we, like I said, like, we change, but the world changes around us, so the context is ever-changing. I mean, you know, the the like silly example I give is like we all remember how terrified we were when Jaws first came out. And uh, <laughs> if you watch that, if you watch that movie now, you're like, oh, they were just puppets because we've gone so far with like CGI and everything, right? <laughs> but at the time, it was terrifying. Um, right. And so I think like both our skill sets change and the, the lens of the world changes and the kind of cultural conversation changes enough that our work, well, and you know, this goes to the content of the piece too, is that I'm so so drawn to that experience of identity in America and what it means to be an American, and that's something uh-huh. I've tried to explore in all of my work, which is in Sakina's, obviously. Right, and which you do so exquisitely and remarkably from time to time to time. I'm always privileged to be in the audience of a play that you direct. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. Thank you. I love what I do. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's jealous. So let's talk a little bit about the characters. And oh, yeah. They vary so wildly in gender and age and their points of view. Asif's transitions seamlessly from one to the other, and maybe it's with a prop or a costume piece. Will you describe a little bit of insight into the rehearsal process with the two of you to bring all these individuals to life? Yes, absolutely. I feel like Asif and I started in a place of truth. Like, what is true to each of these characters? 
what does each character value? What are they willing to sort of fight for? And what are they willing to let go of in order to get what it is that they need? And so we kind of start in this very traditional acting way with the characters um, to make sure that they never felt caricatured. I mean, in particular, like when he's a man playing a woman or just the experience of playing an Indian immigrant with an accent, you know, just really wanting to make sure that the, the truth and humanity of these characters were honored. So we, we began there. And then I'm very inspired by, did you see I Am My Own Wife in its original yes. production? Yes. And so I, I referenced that piece a lot because, as you'll recall, he would just, like, touch his neck, you know, and become a new character. Like, there were these very simple gestures. And I thought, if the audience is with us, if we teach them how to watch this play and teach them how simple transformation can be, I think they'll be able to come along with us. And also, keep in mind, this is me knowing eventually we're recording this for Audible, and it's going to be a piece that you listen to. So I'm like, it can't solely be visual. Uh-huh. So... Just, you know, I think, I think that Asif and I just got closer and closer to stripping away. Like, we started with big ideas and, like, kind of very long transitions with lots of music where we watched him chameleon, like, transform, you know. And then it was like, well, maybe you could just be simpler. <laughs> like, what if, you just, what if you just, like, moved a step to the left and, like, changed your center of gravity? Um, so we, we really explored about, about how simple we could be and that actually what was changing was, was the truth and the desire of each character rather than, like, putting something externally on. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I I think so. Yeah. I'm also intrigued with you saying that the the concept of teaching us how to watch the play, teaching the audience how to watch the play, will you add some thought to that? It's a really fascinating, interesting way to approach the process. Yeah, I mean, it's. I actually think it's a, it's like a very big part of a director's job when people are like, "What does a director do?" Because it's a pretty mm-hmm. abstract thing, and I think every director would describe it differently. But I do think the idea of, um, yeah, I wouldn't say it any other way. Teaching the audience how to watch the play because, like, okay, so you're watching a comedy. You uh-huh. need to know that you're able. You need to have permission to laugh very early on in the play, uh-huh. right? Like it's a very simple, like kind of mathematical example. Right. If we are, we need to know it's okay to laugh. So there's like one way. But if you're doing, some, if you're doing a play that has like a visual language, like how do you intru- that's different than the way our world looks. How do you introduce that visual language so that the audience understands? Oh, like that blue scarf means the moon, and whenever it's present, that's going to be that thing. Without, you don't want to be explicit or reductive or elementary by being like, hey, audience, this blue scarf equals the moon. So it's about like. I studied a lot of semiotics in college, and, like, Uh (laughs) semiotics, you know, the basic of it is, like, a red light doesn't actually mean stop. It only means stop because we stop at it. Like, our relationship to it defines it, if that makes sense. So I think about that a lot when I'm in the theater, and so if, if we're, like, if we're doing something that's, like, really wild and, like, out of this world... The audience needs to know they're okay and in safe hands watching that. And so I feel like in the case of Sakina's restaurant, with Asif, I just got to a much quieter place too. Um, <laughs> with Asif, I felt like we had to show he's not playing Asif Manvi. Like that was like the first thing I needed to teach. Right. Because right. he now is a per- he is now personality, you know. And so 
Um, I had to say you're not coming to the Asif Manvi show. So that was like one of the things I need to teach. Mm-hmm. I need to teach that you're allowed to laugh. Uh-huh. Um, and we need to teach that he was me playing several characters. And so in a very subtle way, in the opening when um, he has just arrived in America, and he hasn't, the first character he actually transforms into is Farida, the mother. Yeah, but yeah. before he does that, he, he quotes Sakina, he quotes Samir, he quotes Hakim, and he quotes Farida. And mm-hmm. when he quotes them, he just gives them a little, like a hint or a nudge. And we worked very yeah. hard on this, just like a little hint or a nudge towards that it's another character. But when he actually becomes Farida, we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we saw that hint. And actually, like, Farida's an interesting one, that first one, because we were trying to figure out, because, you know, she has that scarf, the um, um, dupata. And we were like, what? I was like, does she need to put the dupata on first for us to know she's Farida? And then we, like, it was really like a very clunky transition. And I said, no, I think if you just change your body language and change your voice ever so slightly, you we have you for a little while and then you can go get the scarf. But like the scarf is like, is added flavor. Like you're already her. And it took us a long time to understand like at what moment that transformation actually happened. But right. fun. Yeah, I can imagine it would have been a really delightful room to be a fly on the wall in as two oh of you worked yeah. on this together. Um, talk a little bit about, and you've alluded to it, the relationship that you develop with an actor in a particular piece, like what you did with Disgrace in 2012, and how, how times evolve in the actor-director relationship? Um, I think, you know, there can be many wonderful actors uh, who maybe I don't speak their language. Like just the way that I talk doesn't make sense to them or the way they behave doesn't make sense to me. You know, that there, there is a click that happens just like in any relationship. That to uh-huh. me, I describe as like, it's like, it's metabolic, it's like about your metabolism. I think mm-hmm. some of it is also just kind of about ethics and values and aesthetic that you share. Uh-huh. And when all of those things come together, just like in any good relationship, you want to continue those relationships. And in continuing those relationships, they deepen over time. Like, over this period of time, now Asif and I have um, each other's work that we've made without each other to reference, right? Because we've like shared uh-huh. in it. We have, like, wor- world events and life events that have happened um, in that time. You know, in that time, I've gotten divorced. Asif's gotten married. My kids have grown up a lot more. You know, like, we, we share these things. We have anecdotes uh-huh. with one another's family. And so I say all that because we now have a much more 360-degree experience of one another. It's not – we're not just – like, when we worked on Disgrace, he and I came from separate planets and came together. Mm-hmm. Our, the Venn diagram of us only overlapped with that play where now our Venn diagram has a much larger overlap, and so it becomes a richer well from which to draw from, in particular when we're doing work that is quite personal. You know, um, yeah. I mean, none of these characters are exactly Asif or exactly members of his family, but there they are people that we both in a way sort of know, um, and we both can draw from our own families and our own experience and our own friendships and to kind of bring that in. And I think the more context you have, the broader your world is, um, the greater sort of more more like, you know, colors you have in your palette to choose from. Um, sure. And it also, I mean, I will say, and this isn't always true, but in particular with Asif and I, there's not a lot of ego with us. Like, I can be like, that was a terrible idea. <laughs> like, we, can, we just, like, 
we do neither of us edit and no one's feelings are hurt and there's a tremendous amount of trust and a, and a really great shorthand um, that, uh, that I think like makes our work very efficient together. Actually, we would get a lot done in a long day. And like, and when I say a lot mm-hmm. done, it also meant spending like a good hour being mad about Brett Kavanaugh and like another half hour telling funny stories about our family <laughs> and another half hour planning our meals for the day. Do you know what I mean? Like, but we still also ended up getting a lot of work done because uh-huh. because we when we are focused and in we are you know we have some shared brain moments that are really lovely and so it's a, it's a really um, you know I I have a, a, the few collaborators who I have you know kind of had this extended experience with and it's again it actually it's very tied into what I was saying earlier about liking to revisit material that those relationships become deeper and more sustained and more thorough and um, actually challenge you more. Like, I think people have said to me things like, oh, it's meant to be so easy to work with same people over and over again. I'm like, no, they, they can call you on it. <laughs> like, they, they push you harder. It's more challenging. Like, that experience is so much deeper and more resonant. Um, so, yeah, I hope that answers your question. It does. It does. And I thank you. And I'm really grateful that Disgrace put the two of you together because as an audience member, we get to see the fruits of your labors not only now, but hopefully many, many, many times in the future. Oh, yeah. Oh, he and I are not done with each other at all. (laughs) Well, good, and we're not done with you either. Oh, great. Thanks, Lauren. Thank you, Kimberly. I'm Lauren Clash Snyder with Kimberly Sr., the director of Sakina's Restaurant, playing off-Broadway at the Middle Lane Theater through November 11th. Thank you. And we're clear. Thanks, Victoria. Thank you. That was oh, that fun. Was, that was such a directorial lesson. I was enjoying every moment. Kimberly, oh, thank you. so amazing. I Holy just crap. kept looking at the clock going, I want this to go on forever because <laughs> we are loving it. And Victoria and I are sitting here going, we love it. Like this is remarkable. And we we do a lot of them, and we're fortunate enough to talk to some really terrific directors and writers and actors. And um, we're just really appreciative of your insight and perception and how you articulate it. Oh, thank you. I I think your job is really cool. I gotta say. I mean, getting to talk well, to all those people and hear all those different perspectives, like, I mean, you know, look, I've been doing it a long time, and I really love it, and I um, I think that that's, you know, a lot of what you hear, but I'm also very comfortable talking about it, which not everybody is. <laughs> well, you, you're, you're also able to have a vocabulary that is accessible and insightful. Which oh, is, thank you. I've got to tell you, it's unusual. Oh, thanks I, a lot. I that means a lot. We, well, we speak to many of your peers. Right. So, And yeah. you guys don't get to be in the same room with each other very often in an environment like this. No, we don't. You know, you're in mm-hmm. a social environment or at an SGC meeting or whatever, and it's just a different animal. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. in fact, so, yeah, we, re- we rarely get to interact with each other at all. We're always so, like, thrilled when we're, like, on a panel together or whatever. I'm like, oh, my God, hi. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, and then we're, like, terrible on the panel because we just want to socialize. But um. <laughs> Well, the yeah. other thing is, 
you know, you, of course, you've alluded to it with regard to the current immigrant experience and Brett Kavanaugh. This office is in probably favored value. And one yeah. of the things that we did a few weeks ago was a staged reading of the play 12 Angry Men with oh, yeah. extraordinary women that we know in the Broadway community. Imagine. And That's amazing. How terrific. What a special yeah. day that must have been. It just was goosebumpy, and I wish it wasn't relevant, and I wish it became irrelevant after Brett Kavanaugh, but it became more relevant. Oh, yeah. So our, the hope is that in the spring, on a particular weekend, we're just able to rally many, many, many productions of staged readings of 12 angry men performed by 12 impassioned women all over the country. So hopefully you'll be in a place and might have a day and there'd be a host in whatever city you might oh, be yeah. Um Or you Great. rally like an alma mater of a theater that you've worked at. So we're close to tying up the rights. We don't have them yet because you can imagine it's just complicated. But yeah. I wanted to let you know about it because it just seems like it would speak to you. Oh, so up my alley. Yeah, definitely keep me posted on that. Do you have great. my email or do you only have me through Angela? It would be great to get your email. Yeah, let me just give you my email. It's um, <laughs> it's with my name, Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y dot senior, S-E-N-I-O-R. Okay. I have email. Okay. Yeah. I, I like to assume everybody has Gmail, which is like super not true, but... Yeah, that's mostly true. Yeah, you know, I always get surprised when I periodically get the at AOL.com. Like, oh, my God, how old is that? I know. Mother still has AOL. It's hilarious. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, look, it still works. You still get their email. It's not like it's not she working. Yeah. Whether or not she yeah. keeps it is a different story, but it's still well, yeah. there. We can't, we can't control them. Stop trying. Yeah. <laughs> Mothers. Um, um, all right. Well, it's so lovely talking to you both. I hope so you have a great fun. day. I just have a curiosity question. Oh, yeah. With Audible, as oh, yeah. producers, how were they to work with for you? Amazing. So, you know, the woman who's running the theater division is uh, a woman named Kate Naven. And yeah. Kate yeah. is a – Kate's a former agent. She was an agent, I believe, with Gersh, <clears throat> which is how she and I met because she used to represent, like, all my favorite designers. And so she and I suddenly were like, we need to be friends. Like, we have all the same taste in human beings. And so many, many years ago, she and I became friends, but she also really understands how theater works and how theater artists work and what theater artists need. And so she is great. And then she's also just such a class act and so great at navigating the corporate aspects of partnering with Amazon and Audible. Yeah. So she's wonderful. I mean, is it, have they found the perfect holy grail of how to do it? Absolutely not. Are they super open to like figuring out how to do it? Yes. And so... It's been a really wonderful experience, um, and the idea that like literally millions of people are going to have access to Sakina's restaurant. Like, just think about that. There's like there's like some immigrant kid in like Florida who never right. would have like heard his story, and right. um, or his parents' story really. Yeah. Uh, and and then yeah. I just love how available it's going to be, and then that that's really the mission of it is um, I think quite special. Yeah. They're doing lots of good work like that. I had the opportunity to see Good Grief last night at the Vineyard, and they're doing oh, great. the same thing with uh, Ngozi's play, with Good Grief as well. They're doing it as an audible book, and that's a 
Nigerian American story. So it's nice to a female Nigerian American story. So yeah, and you know, and the the Billy Crudup piece, the first one that they did was outstanding. Yes, oh my yeah. god, I loved it so much, and like that was so great, and um, and uh, Terry Mulligan's piece. I just think that right. also like Kate Kate has really good taste. Is the other thing? Yeah, precisely. Um, yeah. And you know what? I don't know I mean, how I well it would go without that. Her her name feels invisible to the whole project, and it just is like, who, who's cooking all of this stew? Because it's really, really good stew. Yeah. So thank well, you for. She's special. She's really great. On. Yeah. Okay. All right. Excellent. Awesome, you guys. Well, we want we want to be in your coven also. So as okay. It goes, oh, you're you're yes. Yeah. Well, you know it's a coven. Yeah, we are, I got yeah. it going on. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> All right, thanks. Thanks, thanks you both. Really lovely time talking to you. Okay, bye bye. Bye bye.